0: This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Investec Asset Management. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. The fortunes of China's economy has an impact on the world. And so it was heartening to see this morning that Chinese GDP growth in the second quarter of 2017 grew by 6.9 percent, same as the first quarter. And in fact, this is the first time since 2010, if it continues, that there will have been a yearly increase in GDP. On the telephone now, a man who knows China better than most, and that's Michael Power from Investec Asset Management in Cape Town. Michael, good number, 6.9 percent. I mean, this is off the base of a massive economy.
1: Indeed, although I have to say I don't read accuracy into point ones, with China, especially, but it does seem to be that the slowdown has bottomed, and they are now engineering something of a soft landing. And I say soft landing is at 6.9% or 6.5%. It's still a very impressive uh, growth rate that they're achieving.
0: Yes, indeed, property investment grew eight and a half percent. We'll come to that later on. Factory output up 7.6% in the first six months of this year, and foreign trade up eight and a half percent for the half year of 2017. And these are good numbers. Foreign trade was. Looking- looking a little bit dodgy a little while ago, but all bouncing back. And so I think the problem they have now is to rein in the economy again, apparently. I'm not sure about
1: that. I think they have actually been putting their foot on the brake. And I think that uh, it's showing up in things like leverage. It's showing up in terms of the sort of the secondary banking system, and I think that they have managed to stabilize things. I think that they still recognize that the state-owned enterprises need to be tidied up a bit. There's still too much capacity in certain spaces, but broadly speaking, I think that they would probably be quietly satisfied with uh, the numbers as they're coming out. However, if you look at what's happened in terms of the just-finished week of looking at the financial system that they have every five years in China, there's no complacency. Not that they are about to get the axe out or start chopping, and not that they're about to jack up interest rates or do anything funny with the currency, uh, nor are they about to basically take uh, the banks to task. But at the same time, there were a lot of tough words said uh, at this recent meeting.
0: Yes, indeed. If you watch the BBC this morning, which I did at about six o'clock and the numbers had just come out, they were screaming about debt. Is debt a problem And when compared to GDP in China?
1: Look, I don't know, to be perfectly honest. The one thing I would say is that it does appear that debt is not growing like it used to be growing in China. The the government has heard the screaming, and they have told the banks, uh, listen, guys, that's not the way that we're going to grow in the future. We're looking uh, to something a little bit more balanced. We're looking something a little less uh, debt rich, and you've got to do your part. And if you don't, and they have in the past, expect a smack
0: on the wrist. Property is the one problem that people seem to identify on an habitual basis. Now, what do you think about this? Is investment, as I said earlier on, 8.5% up in the first half of the year, and property prices still rising? So people are obviously still keen on buying the stuff.
1: Yes, although one has to remember that there's an element of borrowing the idea that property caused such problems in the West in the first 10 years of this century. So it's going to have the same effect in China. The fact of the matter is is that you're asked to put down a lot more money in China if you're investing in property. Yes. So the level of cover is far, far, far greater. Uh, we're not talking about 120% loan-to-value ratios was, was available in the United States before 2007. You know, China just doesn't allow that. If you try to buy a second property, they really do climb in on you. So I'm not too worried. I think one needs to look carefully at the difference between the first, second and third tier cities. And I think there is some, there's definitely some bubbles still around. But the reality is the first tier cities, they have this sort of period of stop, go, stop, go, stop, go, but not too much downside. They just have these breathing spaces between the upsides. And it does seem to continue. I think the fact that you know, 400 million people are going to move off the land and into the cities over the next 20 years, largest migration of humanity in the history of humanity, yes. does rather underpin the property market.
0: Yes, it really does, and will continue to do so, but it's got to be managed. And do you think that the central bank instructing the other banks to limit lending will be enough to curb the enthusiasm?
1: I think that's yeah, up to a point, yes, I think there will be you know, mistakes here and there. There's no doubt about that. But there is also a very good indication that central government is giving the central bank more power to blow the whistle and, and to call people offside. And I think this is really, really important because uh, up until now, it's not been as uh, technocratic as perhaps it should have been, partly because the decision-making process was so diffuse in the sense that it also had to go back to the Communist Party. The Communist Party is still, obviously, delegating to the central bank but the central bank is going to take a much more important position in the running of the, uh, the, the economy as a whole uh, moving
0: forward. State-owned enterprises are something that we're familiar with in South Africa for all the wrong reasons. What about in China, this five-yearly financial work conference that has ended on Saturday? And had a look at financial risks within the SOEs and also, as you said earlier on, they want to contain excess leverage but the Chinese certainly seem to be able to do it.
1: Well, thus far, they've been able to do it. I I don't think this is something that sort of, you know, you wave a magic wand and it happens overnight. I think the way you've got to do it is grow yourself out of it. So it basically means you don't carry on making the sorts of mistakes that they made in the past by letting credit get go run away. You rein in the growth of credit, especially to those particular parts of the economy. Uh, You allow other parts of the economy to grow, and slowly but surely, you grow yourself out of the problem. That's the ideal. Not to say that there isn't going to be a few slip-ups along the way, and I think there probably will be, but uh, there's no go-go expansion of balance sheet through debt that's taking place in most of the SOEs now, they are really not the drivers of growth going forward. It's the consumption side of the economy that's starting to kick in and the private sector on the business side.
0: Foreign trade, as I said earlier on, has surprised many people to the upside with an 8.5% gain for the first six months of 2017. And this brings me to the currency factor, because it's gone a little bit quiet on on the currency and the management of the currency. What are you seeing?
1: I think they're probably not going to do very much at all. I'm more interested in what they're going to do with interest rates, to be perfectly honest, which does, of course, potentially have some impact on on, on the exchange rate, although uh, only in terms of the leakages that may or may not be going out of the economy or, or indeed may be coming into the economy. But I don't think that they're going to change very much the the exchange rate at the moment. The only issue, I suppose, is that if the US dollar was to weaken substantially more than it has already, they sort of sneak in a little bit of at least versus the rest of the world relative devaluation, which is probably something they, they don't mind.
0: China observers like myself, who observe from afar, have been pleasantly surprised by President Xi and his statesman like demeanor in his foreign relations i mean he went to hong kong and of course there were protests but that went relatively smoothly and he deals with foreign leaders quite well i think has that been a welcome diversion for him from domestic issues are you happy with the domestic economy and the way he's handling it
1: i think so i look there are issues and uh, his whole uh, so one belt one road proposal uh, to rebuild the silk routes both terrestrial and maritime, is potentially a very interesting way of taking some of the surplus capacity, say, in the steel industry and uh, redeploying it uh, into Central Asia to build railways or or whatever. So he's got some ideas. Um, He's actually mixing the domestic side of the economy to some extent with foreign policy. Um, And I think, broadly speaking, he appears to be doing a reasonably good job on the world stage. I mean, one cannot forget the fact that earlier this year he was at Davos soon after, Trump was uh, inaugurated, standing up and saying, I am your new defender of free trade. I am the champion of, of globalization. Yes. He's also been very, very outspoken in his support for the Paris Climate Accord, both of which have tended to endear him to the the neutral uh, people in the global economy and probably moved some of those that were previously opposed to him into a more, a more accommodatory relationship with China.
0: People like to pigeonhole economies and countries. Where would you put China now at one stage? We had GDP growth not that long ago, Michael, sort of 13, 14, 15 uh, percent, dropping back to 6.9 percent. But of course, off such a huge base that uh, really it's probably more impactful than the 15 percent we once saw. But what is it now? Is emerging economies? It's several emerging economies. A developed economy? Uh, oh, I think it, I think it? it's the
1: world in one country. Uh, and also, do remember that the 16 percent, at least some of that, was due to currency movement. So uh it's something which uh, you know is slightly stolen where it comes in the currency. I think I think China is uh, steady as she goes at the moment and I think that's probably a good way of thinking about it.
0: And good for the world.
1: Broadly, yes, but it's a different world that we're moving into. I think the West is starting to realise its life is in rather sort of a a complicated space at the moment, and growth is not going to be something that's going to be particularly robust moving forward due to a combination of bad demographics and and very lackluster productivity.
0: Still confusing for the average investor to know what to do with China. They like the story. We like 6.9% growth. We like the way that the economy is still bolting along like a long-legged cult, but is finding its feet quite nicely. It's still an adolescent, in in other words. But how do we expose ourselves to this? This is the the big question. Well,
1: also, the Chinese don't particularly want you in there full on yet. That's why they're only opening themselves up. I called it the dance of the seven veils very slowly in terms of the bond connect, which is something that Xi Jinping uh, inaugurated when he was in Hong Kong. We are seeing, uh, obviously, MSCI now including the domestic economy in their indices, but at a very small level. This is a slow process, but uh, I think the world is starting to get used to it. And I think the world is starting to realize China is here to stay. And, you know, there was a time in the 1850s and 60s, and you only need to read um, British newspapers at the time, when they thought investing in the United States was like, you know, the Wild West. Well, this is the Wild East at the moment. And, uh, uh, you know, probably people feel the same way. But that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, 10 years along the line, it's not going to be a very, very good place to have your money.
0: Michael, thank you very much for your time this evening. That's Michael Power from Investec Asset Management in Cape Town. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider.